This week on Twip Weddings, the law of attraction explains that like attracts like. As wedding photographers, we ideally want to attract and work with clients who are similar to us when it comes to style and personality. A big part of attracting the ideal types of clients comes down to what we show online. On today's episode, we're going to share our processes for choosing which images go into our portfolios and how we decide what types of images we share on social media and on blog posts to ensure that we are attracting the types of clients who we want to work with. And welcome back to another episode of Twip Weddings. My name is Bruce Clark, and once again, I'm joined by my usual co-hosts, Mr. Robert Evans and Mr. Brian Capricci. Good day, gentlemen. Hello, hello. Good day. You're you're both eh? looking fine this morning. I, I feel <laughs> I feel a, a sense of attraction to you guys today. You look great. I where, have, you, where are I you have taking this? Hair. Where, where am I going with this? Well, that's that's the topic today. We're going to talk about the the, the law of attraction, and uh, we're actually going to talk. We're going to dig in. Uh, we're going to talk about the process of choosing uh, kind of your your images that you display, either your portfolio, um, kind of what you display on your website, and how that it helps attract the type of clients that you want to work with. That, that's where I'm. That's where I'm going with it. So don't, don't right. read anything else into it. So. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into that, um, we want to remind you how you can participate in the show. We've got several ways to interact with us. Uh, first, you can visit the website at thisweekinphoto.com/weddings. Uh, there you will find the show notes for each episode, and we'll put links to everything we talk about uh, or mention in there. Uh, you can also leave your comments and feedback for us there. Uh, if you have a question or if you have a suggestion uh, of a topic you'd like us to, to cover on a future episode, uh, just click on the contact us link uh, at the top of the page and select Twip Weddings from the drop down list to send us a message. Make sure you choose Twip Weddings uh, or your question might go to some other show and they, they may or may not answer it, but you, you might not hear it. So make sure you pick Twip Weddings. Uh, if you prefer using uh, Twitter, uh, just add the hashtag TwipWed. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for your posts there. Uh, and if you want to follow along, we're on Instagram at TwipWed, and we also have a Facebook group. So just check out Facebook and search for Twip Weddings. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Um, so I said at the at the top, we're going to talk a little bit uh, today about the law of attraction. And basically, the law of attraction explains that sort of like attracts like. And I think you guys would probably agree that we probably, you know, as most wedding photographers, uh, they ideally we want to sort of attract and work with clients probably who are similar to us. Would you guys agree when it comes to things like style, personality? Um, I actually kind of don't necessarily fully agree on that, on that point, Hmm. uh, which will make for an interesting discussion today. Point counterpoint. (laughs) I like this. This is good. I think, well, okay. I think, and, and, and we've actually talked about this a couple times on the show, I think in the past, um, the whole idea of having to be your client, I think that a lot of photographers get um, sort of like fascinated or, or um, what's the word? Um, sort of caught up in. Yeah, they kind of get caught up in it, right? They kind of get like this, this thing where it's like they feel like they need to be their client. And then all of a sudden they start judging themselves based on that. Or they say, well, if my client is driving this kind of car, I should be driving that kind of car. I, I just don't know if I fully think that that is the point of that kind of message that we might teach. I think instead the point is that we need to be adapting um, how we speak to somebody to be uh, benefit-based for them and their specific needs and their specific lifestyle and personality. But I don't think that we need to be our client. I think it's okay if we're not our client. Do you like to 
potentially attract somebody who's maybe a, a bit polar opposite to you personality wise, style wise, or I, I wouldn't even say that. I, I would almost just say, putting it this way, instead of trying to say like, I need to be who my client is, because when you do it that way, then you're constantly kind of adapting and changing. I kind of like the idea of just, this is who I am. And people that like that or that are attracted to that will come to it, but they don't necessarily have to be the same kind of person as I am. Do you, do you know what I'm Ooh, saying? Like, okay. like okay. I want them to be attracted to who I am and what I do and what I represent and what I stand for. But that doesn't mean that they have to be that same kind of person. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Robert, what do you think? How, how do you feel? Do you feel like, do you find in your own career that you kind of attract clients who are, who are similar to you or completely opposite to you? And do you, do you find when you work with somebody who's similar to you, personality-wise, style-wise, that you, it's a more comfortable relationship? Or do you like the, the working with somebody that's completely different? Well, I've kind of like my, you know, mantra or whatever. I've always said, I photograph the clients who I should be working with. So feeling that that's the ones that I should be attracting. These are the people that I should be working with. You know, occasionally someone gets in there where you're like, whoa, where did that come one <laughs> that come from? But, yep. <laughs> you know, that's that happens in dealing with the public. Um, but, yeah, I mean. I, I like what Brian said, because it kind of resonated with me in that I'm just myself. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to attract those people who get what I do, um, who like the imagery that I that I shoot. Um, and I think that's the one unique thing about us as photographers. You know, I've always said I have this in some of my uh, writings and that, you know, the, the photographer's eye is much like a fingerprint in that they're all unique. And, you know, Brian can try to copy me and Bruce could try to copy me or anybody else. And we could be in the front of the same person or subject and all three photographic differently because mm -hmm. that's how we see it. It's just so unique. So I think being yourself and, and, you know, shooting the way you would see it and do it really ultimately helps you stand out. And that is what helps you attract the type of people who get what you do. And of course, personality is a huge part mm -hmm. of wedding photography. Um, I think it's probably the more important element in some cases, yep. Yep. Uh, but mm -hmm. it's the second element of why our clients choose to use us. And again, if you're authentic and you're being yourself, then, you know, I think you're going to attract the right person, you know, kind of based on what my first statement was. But if you want to align yourself with a certain type of client, I mean, there's rich people and poor people that we're all going to be able to get along with. We may not have the same things that they do, but, um, you know, if there is a certain type of client that you want to go after, um, you could put that out there. Uh, you know, you could have instead of in your bio, instead of saying I've done this and this and this, you could say, well, I like, which I've seen, you know, I like coffee and, you know, big watches and fast cars or whatever it is that you like. Um, and then your clients can relate to that. But I think if you're going to put that out there, you need to really like those things. Don't put that you like all things just, you know, I'm going to put, I like Bugattis and you know, and Rolexes and, you know, to try to pull that type of client. in if, if that's not what you like. Yeah. You have to genuinely like those things. Sure. Not, right. Cause you'll, otherwise you'll just come off as a fake and right. they'll, and, and if you attract that type of person who's really into that stuff, they'll, they'll spot you from a mile away that you're yeah. not, you know, you're not, you're not genuine. We talked about some of these things uh, on our last episode when we were talking about sort of personality traits and things. So, um, but, so what I wanted to, where I wanted to go kind of today with this topic was, 
looking at how because i think what we show like a lot of times we we always say like we want to we want to shoot certain style so we have to be able to show what we want to shoot so i think that's kind of the angle that i want to where i want to take this conversation is kind of attracting the right clients sort of through what we show on our website either through our imagery um, or through something like our about us you know section on our on our website so do you guys have a an ideal kind of client like do you have you guys kind of defined in your own businesses sort of who who is the what is a brian caparici photography client look like what does a robert evans client look like typically that you that you work with yes yeah i i think it's important to define that sort of avatar to kind of say like this is the person um that i ideally feel would appreciate what i do and would value what i do and would and would pay for what i do um but but I just I guess in, in all of this I like the idea of having this sort of like ideal to just to kind of give us to kind of point our compass in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But I think that too often photographers get so caught up with like being tunnel visioned by that that they mm-hmm. end up kind of uh, what's the saying like you cut off your nose to spite your face or something like that. I think I think they right. end up yeah. like they end up being so. Uh, narrow in their thinking and so narrow in in the direction of where they want to take their business that they end up floundering because of that because maybe they're not in a big enough market where there's a ton of clients that are like that ideal person. So I like the idea of kind of aligning with um, with with concepts or with with beliefs as opposed to trying to define like a person that you're going for. That's just right. that's just my approach to it. Um, I've seen you know I've heard a lot of educators. One that sticks out to me in my head, Aaron and Jeff Youngren, talk a lot about this concept of the ideal client. I love their perspective on it. I love how they teach about it, and I think that it works really well for them and obviously thousands of photographers. I've just found for me to go more towards uh, marketing towards beliefs or, or um, sort of chasing people that have similar beliefs would be mm-hmm. better um, than chasing after like a certain kind of person. Right. Cause you might say, okay, I really like, you know, six foot tall working with yeah. clients who are six foot tall, yeah. heavily tattooed, uh, that exactly. like, you know, that like um, folk music and yep. enjoy, um, food trucks and camping. Yeah. That might be like, if you said that's my client and yeah. I'm not going to look at anybody outside of that, you might not have. Right. You know. Well, and, and like to that point, like a great example that I can just think of that's happened very re- recently um, over the past, you know, let's say three or four weeks, I've had obviously a co- several weddings. One of them was this, you know, beautiful outdoor wedding. It was on a farm because the, the client is a farmer and it was like totally casual. People showed up in like short sleeve dress shirts, open neck, no ties. It was all very DIY. It was a beautiful wedding, but it was just not lavish and extravagant and all that. But this client was totally my client. They totally got it, but they were not that like high end boutique, very extravagant couple. Whereas the weekend before that, I photographed this beautiful wedding at this beautiful ballroom in this hotel nearby overlooking the falls. And it was very extravagant and lavish and over the top. They were both my ideal client, but they were both two completely different kinds of people, but they both appreciated the same thing in their (laughs) photography. And that's why they hired me. So I think that's where when you stop trying to go towards a person, but instead go towards a belief system, I think Mm -hmm. that's where you find that you'll, you'll find greater success in reaching more people that way. Yeah. Robert, how about you? Do you have, what's kind of, do you have, have you defined in your business kind of an ideal client or type of client that you work with? Well, for the longest time, I mean, I still kind of use it to some extent. I used a tagline that said, when photography is your priority. Mm. 
so it's in a sense it's telling people okay you know like because there's so many people of course that you know oh i just need a photographer um and there's people of course whose price range i'm out of um but i, I mean i'm still competitive um you know because i have done and or do celebrity weddings you know you don't live off of those um you know they're not happening every weekend so i also have to appeal to quote unquote the everyday normal bride and groom and it is a catch 22 because you have to uh make those people like want to come to you uh but not be afraid to approach you i guess um right which is something that you know i've noticed so you know people just assume oh he's fifty thousand dollars he's done this 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 i can't afford him right. whereas in you know in a local market like if i shoot weddings locally you know i'm fairly competitive if i travel i'm a little bit more expensive and that is just because i'm i'm tired of traveling <laughs> and and i've done it for so long that if somebody really so that goes back to my point if photography is your priority if somebody really appreciates that then they're gonna ante up and they're gonna pay me for two days and but i'm gonna you know cover the whole weekend event i'm not gonna nickel and dime them and you know i'm gonna give them a full service design a beautiful book and you know etc so right it, it can be a catch 22 because again if you're the if you're the photographer right now and you're listening to this and you're like well okay the law of attraction and all i want to shoot is high-end destination weddings but you've never shot one hmm. well then that's a catch 22 because maybe that's what you aspire to do and so my only suggestion would to be again if you want to if we're talking about the law of attraction then you put that out there and you're like i want to shoot a beautiful destination wedding like tell the universe this is what i want i want it to come to me you know, if anybody's ever read The Secret or any of books like that, it's very similar to to that. You just tell the universe what you want, expect it to happen, see it happening, you know, and maybe that's your first step. And of course, you have to then get that wedding and capitalize on it and market it well. And hopefully that brings another and another. And yes, you can get to uh, that point of, you know, shooting nothing but high-end destination weddings. If that is your goal, it may take some time. Um, I do think people want stuff to happen quicker than their mindset these days. But, uh, you know, anything great, anything successful generally does not happen overnight. It happens with, you know, many years of hard work. Yeah, there's that there seems to be that increasing trend of, you know, this instant gratification where people want it. They don't want to wait. They don't want they, they want it now. So we're seeing a lot of cases and everybody. I'm sure you've all heard of stories and cases of, you know, the, the photo stealers, right? That that take photographs right. <laughs> and put them up, put them up and, and present them off as their own. Right. So right. that brings me to a, to a question. I was going to ask it later, but now's a good time to ask that question. What would your guys' suggestion be for, cause I wanted to, to get to choosing images for your portfolio and, and going, how you guys go through that process of selecting what sort of goes up on your site. But what about for newer photographers who are maybe starting out, who maybe haven't developed that much of a portfolio. So you were saying they want to be able to attract a certain you know, they want to show a certain type of work because they want to attract a certain type of client, but maybe they just don't have, they haven't shot a lot of weddings yet. So your, your example was perfect, Robert. Like they want to shoot high-end destination weddings, but they've never shot one. So what could they show on their website without going and being stupid and stealing or plagiarizing from other photographers so by stealing their work um, and trying to pass it off? you know, as their own, what would you guys' suggestions well, be? I think the easiest thing obviously would be to do some sort of styled shoot along those lines. My only, um, 
thought on that is if you're going to show that stuff on your site, at least be honest about what it is, um, you know, and say, hey, this is a styled shoot that I did, you know, even if you want to fib a little bit and that I did for another vendor, like don't even name the vendor. But if you want to shoot high end destination weddings, you know, and you get a model and some dresses and you go to Hawaii or wherever you think that is and and do some shoot to show what ability that you have. Now, granted, you have all the time in the world to accomplish that. Um, but, you know, it is showing what your eye does. And the wedding day, as we know, is a completely different scenario. And we have much less time and uh, different uh, variables throughout the day. They're going to either help us or hurt us or mm-hmm. you know, keep us from doing what we're doing. But I think that's a, a good first step. I mean, but just be, you know, if you're going to blog about it, say, you know, say what you did. I went to Hawaii and I did this shoot and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But that's, you know, everybody does style shoots. I don't think there's anything wrong with them as long as you're not trying to pass it off as this is what I did. This is a wedding that I did. I mean, don't blatantly lie about it. You don't even have to say it's a styled shoot if you don't want to, I guess. But don't blatantly be like, yeah, I did this wedding at the Four Seasons in Punta Mita and, you know, but you did it because that you'll get called on eventually. Yeah, and 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 like you say, it's not or maybe a real world. You know, like they have the luxury of time and shooting at the perfect light, and all those kinds of things when you're doing those types of shoots. But that's not necessarily always the case. So, Brian, what do you think? Uh, you know, on that topic for you know people that are maybe just getting out there, just starting their businesses, but they want to be able to attract a certain type of client through through the work that they're showing online. Um, my answer is uh, actually simple. I think um, slow down. You know, I think that. I think that so often, God, like, I, I don't want to go, go too far in this direction, but so often like we, we, we are living in this immediate space where it's like, oh, I want to be a photographer. Let's get clients. Boom. It's like, yeah. what? Hang on, hang on a damn second. You're not a photographer yet. Like you don't even know what your style is. You don't even know what you want to shoot. Who are you as a person? What kind of photographer do you want to be? What style of photography do you want to do? Why are you trying to book clients before you even know these things? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I think my advice would be don't try to market yourself as a photographer and sell yourself as a photographer and attract clients unless you know who the hell you are, you know, and it's mm-hmm. and, and, and I, I guess I get frustrated by things like this because I think that so often we want to skip all that work. We want to get that fast track to get to that point where all of a sudden, like, look at us. It's so glamorous doing weddings every single weekend. But it's like the three of us, we've spent a lot of time honing who we are and honing our skill and and really refining what we put out there to the world for our clients. And to think that we can do that without having that any level of experience, I, I think that I think we'd be, I'd be leading photographers down a path that is destined for doom. If I were to tell them that that would be okay, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so my advice would be slow down and take the time to figure these things out before you start trying to get clients in your door. Mm -hmm. And I think only once you, once you get that experience, and I don't mean it needs to be 10 years of experience, like get a few weddings under your belt. You shouldn't be marketing yourself as a wedding photographer if you've never shot a damn wedding. Like yeah. that just doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I agree and I kind of disagree a little bit like with Robert Sodom on the style thing. I, I, I know styled shoots are big and all that. I think that they actually were a lot bigger than they are today because I think this, the space has become so overwhelming. But right. if you want to be a destination wedding photographer, then go and shoot some destination weddings and actually know what it's like to be in the grind of shooting a destination wedding and having to deal with all the confines that you have and the security things and dealing with the staff photographers on the resort and all these things, all the challenges and the, and the timelines and the stresses that come with it. I don't know if 
if I would suggest marketing yourself as that if you've never done it before. Right. So, yeah, you, so that, might, that would be my thought is like, figure out who you are first, get some experience just to understand that because who you are in the controlled environment of a styled shoot and the kind of photography you can do and the lighting you can do and all these things that you have, like anyone that's done a wedding and that's on a styled shoot, you know that the environment and everything that goes around it is completely different. So right. to think that you can be that same photographer and create those same images, obviously is, is, is a fallacy. It's never going to happen. So unless you've done that real world practicing, I, I don't think that you can actually put yourself out there as, as, as such. That, that, that's my thought on it. Again, I feel mm -hmm. pretty strongly about right. that, but no, I mean, I definitely agree with that, yeah. Brian. I mean, but the question was, you know, how do we get images to post to our clients of who we want to attract? Right. That that would just be one. But I absolutely agree with. Yeah. It. I mean, I agree with paying your dues and walking the walk and talking the talk. Yeah. I mean, I have an interesting theory. I mean, I'm sure it's not. It's more than a theory. But you know, we we've talked about the instant gratification and um, this. You know, people wanting it right now, and it, I think that is is because of the internet. Yeah, you know, totally. Kids growing up are so used to having it quickly mm -hmm. they, that I think that rolls over into the rest of their life. And, you know, there's a huge, you don't see it just in photography. I hear other people talk about it, you know, like, quote unquote, the youth of today. And I'm not trying to offend people, <laughs> but the sense of entitlement yeah. that, that everyone has. Like, I want it right now. And I think, you know, somewhat that's because that's what they're used to and how they're getting things. Mm -hmm. But Going back to what I said before, you know, especially building a career as a, a photographer um, is, you know, sort of it's taking baby steps and taking it slowly, like yeah. you mentioned, and, and learning the way and representing yourself in a proper way. And, it, you know, it's one step at a time. And the catch 22 there is, is like you have to survive and pay the bills right. to get to that point. And it, it's a little bit difficult. You know, I mean, you know, people come to me and ask me that today and they really want to do photography. And I'm like, you know, do you have some other career that you can do while you build your business? <laughs> right, and at yeah. some point, you know, you're, you're going to get income from it. And at right. some point, you can cut this ties and then go all photography if that's what you really want to do. But, um, you know, it is, it's a challenging, it's a challenging time. There's, you know, of course, there's a lot more photographers in today's world than there were, mm -hmm. in, you know, 1989 when I started. So, so I guess, I guess to directly answer the question then, just to, to step off the soapbox for a second for me. Right? No, that I think, was good. I like that. I, I, I think, um, I think that only once you have um, had the time and given yourself the space to make those discoveries about who you are as a photographer and the kind of photography you want to be doing, only then should you be building a portfolio. So I guess that's where I'm saying is don't put the cart before the horse. Let's get out there and understand what we want to be doing as a photographer and then build a portfolio that represents that. I think that, I think that it would be misleading uh, if you tried to put who you were out there before you knew who you were, you know what I'm saying? Because then, because mm -hmm. then you're going to be sending a mixed message. So I think that you know, do some shoots, do some practicing, get some experience, all before you even have a website. You know, because then when you build the website, you can say this is who I this is who I am, and this is how I can best represent myself through my portfolio, through my website. Right, rather than just say throwing up a, a website for the sake of throwing up a website with yeah, some pictures of yeah, your cat, totally. And Maybe totally. you know some 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 photos you took at your cousin's wedding where yeah, you were exactly. the high photographer, but you snapped a few exactly. from the aisle or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Now that being yeah. said, I think that there's going to be a lot of value. I mean, I think um, 
just thinking back to when I started photography, I've been a photographer now for 10 years when, when I, when I went through this process myself, um, and, and, and Robert, obviously you can attest to this even to a, to a greater extent and Bruce, I'm sure as well. Um, the space then is different, totally different than what it is now in the sense of how we can come up with these things, right? I picture if you're a photographer now trying to get into it, what I think would be a great path to kind of really learn these things is to almost in a way crowdsource your the curation and the refinement of your portfolio in the sense that you could be out there doing these practice shoots, you know, photographing some weddings uh, as a second shooter, whatever it is, and put it up there on social media and start to see what the reactions are. Start to see what people are saying about your style of photography. And I think over time, you're going to start to see some trends. You're going to start to see some things that people are saying about your style that's like, oh, yeah, that is what I do. You know, someone will say like, oh, that's so whatever that's so uh, mystic or that just feels so this, or I just love the, the ethereal of this, or I love how genuine the emotions are in your images. Like people will start to give you <laughs> feedback on it. And I think that's when we can start to say, okay, so that's the kind of thing people are saying about my photography. Um, I remember, you know, again, when I started, that, that was all very internal for me. It was sort mm -hmm. of me judging myself. But then there was many times that I went through the exercise of saying, hey, I want to throw these images by this acquaintance that I have or this vendor in the industry or this family member or this friend and say, here's 10 images that I personally really connect with that I've made. What do these images say to you? And I actually asked for feedback on it. And that's how I was able to build up the verbiage and the way that I want to communicate my style. And I've just then refined that over 10 years now. But I think that now we can crowdsource that and we can in a way fast track it. But that doesn't mean that we don't have to do that work, in my opinion. Right. You don't want to skip the yeah. doing the due process and, exactly. and actually putting in the work. But, yeah. but I like your idea of, yeah, you can you can get so much feedback nowadays. I mean, you could start with, you know, Instagram or Flickr or there's yeah, so many totally. different, you're 500 PX. So there's so many different places you totally. can put your work out there without necessarily being your, your website. Right. And to get, you know, sort of crowdsource that, um, that feedback. Um, yeah. Robert, how, how do you feel about that? Have you, do you t take in a lot of that feedback or what? I want to ask both of you guys. I want you to kind of go, we're kind of, I don't know. We're going all over the place here today, but um, that's all right. Um, Sorry. But I, I want to, no, that, no, that's good. Um, I want to see how you guys sort of go about um, choosing the images that, that go into your, you know, your portfolio or that you show on the blog, kind of how do you go about making that decision? Brian mentioned that he'll run some images past, you know, other, other, are they other photographers, Brian, or other vendors both, or both? Like both? I've, again, like people that hire me are not photographers. So I want to get feedback from the everyday person and see what yeah. kind of language they're using to describe what I'm producing. Yeah. So Robert, what right. goes into your decision process when you're deciding what's going to go on my website? Cause you, again, you, you want to put out work that you, you want to show what you want to shoot, right? So what goes right. into what goes on your website? Well, if, at first, I'd like to say I think like Brian's analogy, what he just gave was was really good. Um, be, you know, that is the thing I think an advantage of today's age too. You know, there's advantages and disadvantages of, of the internet. Mm -hmm. And uh, while he was talking, I, I was saying, you know, the thought of which came first, the hmm. photo or the client. Hmm. And and in that case, the advice that he gave was you know, take pictures. And now we have the tool of the internet to put them out there and see what kind of feedback we get. And, you know, as we've seen, you know, you hear photographers all say, well, I got a job because of Instagram or whatever. That's why we blog. And, um, and, and so you get clients as a result of putting your work out there in some cases, or at least you get feedback, um, which I think, you know, is, is great. Um, again, 
if you take a few pictures and you're new and you put them up there and all of a sudden you get a wedding, I just at least think you owe it to the client to be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never shot a wedding, but you know, I'd be willing to do that to you for, you know, 200 bucks, 500 bucks or free. I mean, there's, uh, believe me, I've done my uh, share of charity work, so to speak, uh, you know, shooting things for free. I think every photographer has and, uh, you know, oh, you get a photo credit and blah, blah, blah. And exposure and you know you you've got to sort of do a little bit of that stuff but um i just sort of wanted to comment on that but how i choose today how i choose the work for my website um some of it is seeing what my clients have responded to in the past but i would say a majority of what i put up is what pleases me in mm -hmm. that um you know i go out each weekend and i think i've said this before the show or when I shoot, not every weekend, but, um, and I shoot 90% of a wedding for myself, uh, because as you know, I've communicated with my bride, I know what she wants, but I know if I come back at the end of that day with stuff that I'm excited about, I know my clients are going to be happy. I mean, of course we know, uh, a wedding is about emotion and family, and I definitely am looking for those and those candids that, you know, are powerful moments that, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I caught this in a split second and the dad and the bride crying together or whatever it is, you know, that stuff's going to be powerful no matter what you do. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, using your environment and light and, you know, there's so many variables, but, you know, again, I'm choosing stuff at the end of the day that I like, that I want to show that I think if I show that particular image, it's going to attract a particular type of client. Now, I see the way I see, like I mentioned before, but, uh, you know, I think my work is a lot different than most of what I see out there today. And that's okay. Um, I don't think it's stale or I don't think I needed to conform to the way wedding photography has sort of, you know, evolved. Mm -hmm. I'm still shooting what I'm shooting, shooting emotion, shooting artistic, creative, unique shots. And I think, again, if you want to stand out, if you want to not be in the crowd, then shoot from your heart and shoot what you want to show, and you will attract the client that gets that. And I think that just kind of goes back to the theme of what we're talking about today, you know, the law of attraction. People are going to gravitate and get what you're doing because, you know, the images that you show are coming from inside of you, from your heart, from your brain, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, you're going to relate to your, your clients are going to relate to a particular image. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's how I choose them. Um, you know, yes, I know a little bit like what people want, but even if I see a photograph on Instagram or Facebook and you're like, wow, look at that thing has, you know, 1 million likes. <laughs> and I might look at it and go, eh. But somehow a million people are relating to that. But does it mean I'm like, okay, I've got to go shoot a photo just like that because it has a million likes? Right. No, I won't do it because I don't gravitate to that image. Yeah, I think that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous hole to, to fall into. I think what my advice would be for photographers is, is really, you really, particularly if you're just starting out, or even if you're established, I think we, we have to get away from this comparison 
model that's that's out there i see it it's it can be soul sucking for so many photographers particularly if you're say you're not say you're not busy say you're not booking every weekend and you're comparing yourself to somebody who's you know you know every weekend it seems like they're flying off somewhere exotic it's it it can be this really depressing sort of downward hole that it can pull you in and then it can lead to it can lead to things like people feeling desperate enough to start stealing other people's work or copying other people's ideas um, and it can just, it just leads to just this bad place. And I've seen it happen so many times and you hear so many stories about it happening mm-hmm. to photographers. I think my advice would be sort of don't compare yourself, particularly if you're just starting out, don't try to compare yourself to other photographers. You have to get out there. You have to carve out your own niche. You have to develop your own style. I mean, it's fine to look for, you know, look at other photographers work possibly for inspiration and for ideas, but I think comparing yourself to them is a really dangerous trap and particularly these days now with social media right every we've all heard the stories everybody's always just putting out their best you know they're always just putting their best foot forward on social mm-hmm. media and if you're always trying to compare yourself you know I, I forget the quote goes something like you're comparing your day-to-day to everybody else's highlight reel yeah you're just gonna get de- you know depressed i think that's one of the i think social media has kind of been a blessing and a curse in some ways agree for photographers right as we get pulled into this this comparative situation where we're comparing ourselves to somebody else and we don't know their situation or you know it's just it's i find it a real dangerous trap to get pulled into yeah you can't you can't do that i mean i don't even i mean i i use social media in my business i could be better at it i i put out images that i like that i want to show um but i'm not one of those people that you know when i do travel and go to places uh you know like i'm blogging so to speak along the way like look at me i'm getting on an airplane and i'm here and i'm there and i'm i just go do my thing and i'll come back and you know maybe i'll post an image from where i am or whatever but i don't you know it's like i don't because i don't want people to you know same thing like oh well robert's here robert's there that's just me i mean i'm i'm a little bit more private Mm -hmm. anyway but um I want to show my work and I want to show it's beautiful. So I'm not going to like not put a beautiful, you know, wedding up from Bermuda or a picture that I really like. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I like this, you know, but it might not be until after I get back. So again, just without harping on that, Bruce made a very good point about just don't compare yourself. You almost need to be like a horse with blinders on yeah, and, you know, go forward. But looking at other people's work for inspiration and ideas is okay. I mean, everybody everybody some point you know like writers whatever everybody copies a little bit they get a little inspiration but then they take it and they kind of do their own thing just don't duplicate it verbatim because you think that's what's going to make you you don't don't pull like a millennia trump and right (laughs) by the time this goes live that's that's gonna feel outdated that that, that reference might feel a little outdated (laughs) so i want to ask both of you guys how often do you go through because i think everybody kind of has you kind of have two parts you have your website right which tends to be i don't know say static but more so than say like your social media like your instagram and your facebook and, and your blog and stuff like that so when it comes to your like your portfolio that you show on your website how guy how often do you guys go through and sort of take a look at that and revise it and put fresh content up up there and what do you recommend what do you suggest brian start with you i think it's a good idea to curate once a year i think once that's a year? that's a good sort of period um i think because it, it it involves you getting into a different space to like rethink about 
your business from a different perspective. Like, and I think that's the thing, right? Like, I, I think, I think your website is more than just your portfolio, just as like a, as a no, I forget if we've talked about that in too, in too much depth here on the, on the podcast. If not, maybe we should, uh, mm-hmm. in a future episode. But I think, um, I think relooking at that, your website once a year annually, I think that, um, it should be more than just looking at your portfolio on your website. I think that it should be looking over it and saying, am I still the same photographer, the same person that I was a year ago when I did this? How have I grown this past year? What have I learned? What are some of the successes I've had with my clients? How do I want to talk about that? What are some new testimonials I can share? How can I write about myself in a more succinct way versus where I was a year ago today? So I think that doing it that way, um, where you kind of get yourself into this space, um, almost like when I do it, it's, I almost like make myself like go on a retreat. I don't go on an actual retreat, but it's like, I just kind of engulf myself in that space for a couple of weeks to really rethink, reevaluate, fine tune, perfect. Who am I? How am I being represented? And which images are best going to represent what I'm trying to communicate to my potential clients when they visit my website? So that's how I would suggest doing it. And that's how I've found it to be most effective. And when you do it that way, it feels less you know, um, rapid fire where it's like, Oh, new image here, new image there, new image there. And, and, and it's less of a, I guess it's less of a constantly evolving thing, like on a, on a, you know, weekly or monthly basis and more of a, like once a year go over and really give it some good intentional thinking and, and, and give it some real purpose and then go in there and kind of give it a redo. And do you have a set time? Like, is there like a, t- a certain period in the year when you find that that yeah, yeah. I, I always find like uh, starting to get into that space end of December is a good time um, because that's when things start to, to to wane off a little bit, obviously, other than the Christmas orders and things like that. But then come the new year, I just love January as like that sort of refresh space, because as a wedding photographer, I'm obviously less booked up that time of the year. Um, that's usually when I've like fulfilled all the orders. I've I've gotten out of the rush of everything. There's not a lot of purchases happening come January. So it's a good time just to kind Kind of start the year fresh and reevaluate where we're at. I think, you know, we've talked about that in the past of doing the same thing with your pricing and doing mm-hmm. the same thing with your marketing, making a marketing calendar. I just love the month of January for saying, let's look at what's working, what's not working, what needs to change. Let's spend a month, let's spend a few weeks just to kind of get in, uh, you know, really kind of put on the overalls, get dirty with it and, and, and do our thing type of thing. Yeah. 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 Robert, how about you? How is that a process that you sit down and go through on a regular basis in terms of your portfolio or? How do you go about I will. I have a, a section on my site or a slider on the homepage that if there's something that I'm really excited about, you know, it's easy. It's a, it's WordPress. I can go up there. I can change it. I can throw an image up. And I like to do that from time to time. There is no, I don't have a set. So it's what I'm inspired by. Yep. Um, so I'll throw something up there. Uh, but yeah, probably like Brian said, maybe once a year, you know, I have a section on my uh, website that's like real weddings or if there is one particular you know maybe i'll go pull one up put the new one up you know so i dabble at it i would say um from time to time um but i personally too it's like even with my website i would say every two to three years i actually get bored with the whole entire website and i want to change it yeah. you know <laughs> I don't think look, you're alone in that <laughs> new look new technology you know all that stuff that changes and it's a giant pain in the arse but um so there's always that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think regular upkeep is fun because it's, it excites you. You throw up a new image on your site, you know, people are seeing it mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I just shot this great. Or you put up a whole new real wedding. Um, I don't blog as much, of course, as I should. We've talked about that before. 
But that's another way to put up your current work. And I know a lot of photographers do that. They'll just put up a new blog post. Here's, uh, you know, some images that I'm excited about. The only comment that I have is I see a lot of people put up hundreds of images in their blog post, you know, pick 10, less is more, leave them wanting more. Um, but put up stuff that excites you, that you think are going to excite your client, that you want to talk about, you know, that you want to get SEO off because you did do that first big destination wedding. You want to talk that you were at the, you know, Four Seasons on the big island in Hawaii and hopefully somebody else will see that and you'll get to go back, or, you know, whatever. But that's how I approach it. You know, just a lot of it's like what inspires me and I put it out there. Um, but that's why we do have social media in the interim. Um, another another really good thing, a little bit like what Brian was talking about, was go back sometimes and look at your old work. I do that a lot, and I've gone back, and um, I've just gone back through some like old weddings, and, and all of a sudden, an image will jump out at me that I'm like, wow, that's really actually kind of cool. How did I miss that before, or it didn't resonate with me before, or uh, I recently put up an image on Instagram uh, that... Uh, I really liked from a wedding. There was other great candidates from this wedding that I did probably three, four years ago. And it's probably like one of the most, one of my most liked images on Instagram, you know, it was a black and white of a, uh, of a bride sitting in the limo and uh, her bridesmaids walk up. She's sitting in front of the church and she rolls the window down and I see the bride. It's like just the bride's eyes. And you can tell she's smiling by how her eyes are glowing, but you also see the reflection of the, her two bridesmaids in the window and they're smiling at her. So it's just this moment. And, you know, I, I was like, how did I miss that before? I really love this picture. Mm -hmm. And so for kicks, I threw it up there and I was like, wow, look at a lot of people like it, <laughs> you know? So, you know, you've got to do that stuff. Go through some of your old work, you know, find something that inspires you, especially if you're looking for stuff for social media, you know, go back on there and pull stuff out and, you know, put it out there and see what kind of response you get. Yeah, no, that's a great, uh, that's a great tip. How about for, uh, let's, let's turn to social media then. Um, for, I mean, obviously I think Instagram's probably one of the, you know, big areas that people are, are focused on these days. Do you guys spend a lot of time on Instagram and, and do you curate your Instagram feed? Like I know when I started with Instagram, I was just sort of throwing up, you know, whatever. It was just random photos. A lot of it was just taken with my phone. There wasn't, I wasn't really, I didn't right. have a conscious kind of, stream it right. was just kind of random so it would be pictures I of think my dog it would be a donut right. the next day and then maybe <laughs> i'd post a wedding photo the next day right so right, right. So i've pe tried people to think that you more. photograph dogs donuts and weddings yeah so yeah so i've tried to be better with instagram and, right. and be more curated and keep it more to more to my wedding work and and put all that other stuff on snapchat um but have you guys what are you guys doing with your instagram these days are you more curated with it or I'm, I'm not like I, I, uh, and admittedly, you know, Instagram for me, um, from a business perspective, even from a personal perspective, it's just not been an area I've focused on. Yep. Um, and so, you know, every now and then I'll throw an image or something like that, but I just, I really haven't given it attention to think of a strategy there. And, and I think it's okay. Um, in a, in a lot of ways, because I think it's so easy for us to get attracted by new things like that. Right. And I think mm -hmm. that that is ultimately the photographer's dilemma, right? They're always chasing the next thing, the newest this, the trend, the whatever. Um, but sometimes without thinking about it, without actually giving it thought and saying, what am I trying to do? Do I even need to be in this space? You know, I, I, I've seen some photographers that are like trying to flock to Snapchat, but they don't know what the heck they're doing on Snapchat. It's like, mm. 
I, I actually fundamentally believe that you don't need to be everywhere. I think that you need to be in certain places, but I think that it's totally up to you with what makes sense for you, for your brand, for your clients, and for your time, right? Because, I mean, you could spend so much time doing all these things that you never end up actually doing the things that move the needle in your business. Mm. That you never actually shoot or you end up feeling so busy because you've been busy making images for Instagram that all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't edit my wedding. And now I'm like four weeks behind on my weddings or I didn't service my mm. clients properly. So I think um, that's a side topic, you know, social media in general. I think mm-hmm. that there's, it's so attractive to get into every new thing. And I love the idea of Instagram. I'd love to get on there more. Um, but I just haven't, haven't taken the time to think about a strategy. So for me, Facebook is a, is a, a space where I am, uh, you know, still pretty visible. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Facebook for the reason that it has baked in virality. And we've talked about that before because I can upload an image of a wedding party tag the bride and then all of her friends see it. They tag themselves in the picture and all of their friends see it. And I've gotten more business over the last 10 years from doing that tactic alone than probably almost anything else I've done in my business. So that works for me. Um, I've got a strategy that makes sense. I've thought about it. And so I keep following through with that kind of thing. So that's, that's where I sort of live most. Um, However, you know, I've seen a lot of photographers that do really well on Instagram. So it's not to say it doesn't work. It's just, I've chosen to not make that a priority for me. Yeah. Do you guys still think uh, today that a web, that the website is still the, the number one lead generator? Cause I noticed I was just reading the other day, there's some more Google's coming up with some more changes. Um, and, and one of the things they're changing is, you know, how you get the, you know, like the, you know, there's the ad spots at the top and then right. they'll have the local listings, which are mm-hmm. the map listings. But did you guys know that they're changing those again? No, I didn't. So now the too. first one is going to be an, a paid ad in there and then there'll be two organic ones then your organic listings are going to appear down there so now even if you used to be on page one now even if you're on page one you're kind of at the bottom of page one right if that if that makes any sense do you guys still think the website is still yeah i i do um because i i think that you know the social media thing is like the glimpse into um a very small slice of what you're doing mm-hmm. and 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 for wedding photographers especially i don't think that and again i there's always the exception to the rule right i think that there's certainly i've heard many stories of people saying they've booked a bride and groom just through instagram or just through mm-hmm. twitter or whatever that kind of thing but i think that for the majority of photographers especially those that are just getting started that don't have the brand recognition or the celebrity status or anything like that where it's like you see this person on instagram it's like they've got how many followers they've got all these things there's oh my god and and people go to them for that reason i think for the majority of photographers attracting brides and grooms i think that they're there's going to be a pull through to the website. Even if they discover you through social media, I think they're still going to want to pull through to dig deeper, to read more, to find out more and to ultimately get in touch with you. Um, I think that's where most photographers will live. Yeah. Yeah. Robert agree. Yeah. I mean, especially for what we do, like Brian said, like you, it's the lost leader to your website, you know, that, Oh, you know, or the impulse buy, if you will, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to grab this, you know, this is, a little image let me click go to the website um you know i think it's very valuable i mean one thing you, you have to be your websites need to be mobile mm-hmm. so that people can go from point a to point b uh you know fluidly um but yes i mean and as far as instagram goes i it's probably my my favorite social media um but i don't instagram every day i do it again when i'm inspired or when i think about it i, I make an effort to do it more because you know you hear the you know at least you should do it daily but um 
you know, it's one of those things. When, and I did start off kind of putting up whatever, uh, but uh, I primarily focus on, you know, my wedding work or whatever images that I, I'm excited about. Uh, and there's very little, I try to put personal on there, just things that I'm interested in. You know, I like to fish, so I'll throw up a picture of my big fish that I caught or whatever to relate to other people. But more or less, it's wedding work. And I think, you know, that's if you want people to kind of gravitate towards that, I think you still need just like the blogs. It was the same way. You need a little, little mix of personal and business. Um, But that's, you know, what I choose to do. Cool. All right. Before we wrap this up, I want to get both your guys' opinion. How many images do you think uh, are a good number of images to put up on your portfolio on your website? Seven. Seven? Or 24. <laughs> and you're on your entire yeah. site. No, I'm joking. I, I don't think I don't think that there is even a number. Like I, I, I nope. think I, I think again, it's one of those things that I think um, photographers look for. Um, uh, what is like they're looking for black and white answers, but it's mm-hmm. not a black and white answer. I, I guess that's that's I'm joking, right? Obviously, I think that whatever communicates what you do effectively and that keeps people engaged, but also makes them want more. Mm-hmm. That that's your number. So I don't okay. think that there's a number. I think that that some photographers that create like outstanding work could they do that in a handful of images? I think so. Could other photographers that are really documentary and just want to really show all the little you know slices of a wedding day that they that they you know can capture and that are very engaging? Could they put two hundred on a website and still keep people people engaged? I think they probably could if your work is strong enough to support it. So I think that the number is less relevant um, in comparison to um, how, how does the work speak for itself and, and how engaged are people going to be when enjoying that work and what's going to say to them and where's that drop-off point for them, uh, wherever that drop-off point is. And that's going to take some some measuring, some testing, some uh, experimentation, some failing and some succeeding to figure out where that is. And then you got to cut it off right before there. So I think that um, that'd be my answer. So there's not really a number, but more right. you've got to, you've got to experiment and, and whatever works for you. Gotcha. Robert. I, th- I think, you know, if you adhere to a few rules, which I've said before, less is more mm-hmm. and keep it simple. Uh, you know, that being photographs and text and verbiage and all those things. Um, Start incorporating more video on your websites because, uh, you know, if you if you have the ability to do that or, you know, it's just kind of the, the way things are going and people like to watch videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep those videos short. Um, but as far as what I put number of images, I don't have a set number of images in my gallery. But for instance, I do have a real wedding section on my website. And I would say each one of the weddings, I have six and maybe they there's 20 to 35. I mean, there could be more if you want to go count and tell me I'm wrong. It's fine. <laughs> but but um, I just try to show the gist of that particular wedding. If you have an engagement sitting gallery, you know, I think 20, 20, 25, 30, 10, whatever you choose is good. You just want people to go, wow, look at these images. These are really engaging. I love mm-hmm. them. I want to call this person and set up an appointment. Um, you know, I think it's just, you know, to get... I mentioned this earlier, and I do see this a lot, especially like in blog posts and photographers. I'll look at this wedding I just did, and it's like the entire wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I get not even halfway through, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> right. You know, I want to see. You know, if you're gonna blog about it, and you're gonna, you know, put that, put your best ten. Maybe it's only five. I don't know. Like, leave people wanting more. 
put up your best work, put up your most emotional, powerful work, you know, whatever it is, but don't, you know, don't make it too much. Right. Yeah. Good advice. Excellent. Well, hopefully that uh, gives people some food for thought to think about when it comes to kind of curating, choosing their images and kind of what they're putting out there and, and how that, you know, either helps or detracts and gets the right type of client um, in the door. Okay. We've got a question this week, guys. Woohoo. You guys have a tackle with this. So this we week, questions. we've got questions. Open up our mailbag. So um, Sam actually had posted in our Facebook group and he's looking for, I'm assuming Sam is, is a guy, I think. Um, uh, Sam has a thousand bucks Canadian. So that's about, about five bucks. He's got, he's wanting to spend it on a 70 to 200 lens for, he's got a Canon 60. Okay. Um, his main lens right now is the Tamron 24 to 70 2.8. So he's, he's not adverse to third-party lenses. Um, so it looks like he's already, he's already ordered the, the non-vibration uh, control version of this lens because um, he shoots a lot of his weddings outdoors. Uh, but he's reading now that the, the non-vibration control is an older lens and um, it's near the quality of the newer... Oh, I'm not sure. That doesn't make sense. He says it's near the, near the quality. I think maybe he meant to say it's not near the quality of the new version. Uh, is anybody shot with this lens? Should I be searching for a used Canon lens somewhere? So I want to just sort of spin it because I don't know if we know this specific lens or, or not, but I want to sort of... Um, uh, generalize a little bit and, and talk to you guys about how your thoughts are on just in third-party lenses in general and on you know the vibration control or the the um what do they call it on the, the other ones just image the stabilization image stabilization yeah. that's the word i'm looking for vibration control i don't know what sony or or fuji call it but what are you guys' thoughts on third-party lenses like the tamrons and the sigmas and yeah I, I, i've world? got no issues with it um i think there you know there's some phenomenal third-party um you know lens manufacturers and i think that they're they're all going to give you a great image um so i i don't think that there's any i think there's no third-party lens that's going to be you know a crappy lens right they're going to be great quality lenses and i think for for 99.999 percent of people who aren't pixel peepers <laughs> you know who doesn't mm -hmm. zoom into a thousand percent to look at like every little tiny detail in an image any lens is going to serve your purpose. I think it really ultimately comes down to budget and to what is that purpose that you're trying to be serving, right? I think um, as a wedding photographer, I know for me, uh, image stabilization is very valuable because um, mm -hmm. oftentimes I'll be shooting in a church uh, with a 70 to 200, trying to shoot at 1 60th of a second. And if I didn't have image stabilization in my lens, there's no way I'd get that shot, no matter mm -hmm. no matter how few coffees I try to drink to stabilize my hands yeah, or anything, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I think, you know, for that reason, I mean, receptions is the other thing. A lot of indoor receptions that we're photographing where I want to be around a hundredth of a second to pull in some ambient um, lighting. I think that um, in that case, image stabilization is going to be very, very important. I think for me, this comes to sort of a bit of a bigger question. Do you spend what you can afford now on something that you know you're going to outgrow very shortly, or do you wait and buy what you know you should be having when the funds can support it? And I would personally advocate for the latter of those options. 
to wait to until save and- to save up, wait until you can <laughs> afford the the lens or the equipment, whatever this is. I think that this particular question that Sam's asking is about lenses. I think this can be applied to anything. It can be applied to cameras or lighting or computers or whatever uh, studio space, right? I think that you should wait until you can afford what you know you should be getting and then get that thing because otherwise you're going to get it now. You're going to outgrow it. You're going to find limitations with it, and then you're going to end up getting that other one that you should have gotten in the first place at some point, anyways. Um, and which but I case, want it now, bro. Yeah, I want it I now. Know. Immediate gratification, <laughs> right? So that's where uh, if you've budgeted for it, if you've thought about it, maybe you don't have the ability to outlay $2,000 cash for something. Maybe you'd want to consider leasing it or financing it instead. That might be a better option for you from a cash flow perspective. There's some mm-hmm. great solutions out there like that. Maybe you should just rent it to see which one makes more sense for you. A lot of rental companies um, will, will let you apply what you've paid to rent the lens towards the purchase of that lens if you decide to purchase through them. So mm-hmm. that's a, another option as well. So I guess that's, yeah. that's my thoughts on it. Robert, what's your any... And if you, and if you save that $1,000 to get to the $1,800, whatever it is that you need to buy the right lens, like Brian mentioned, you're a little bit more motivated to save that money because the $1,000 is sitting Mm -hmm. there and you really want that lens. So now you're going to like figure out other ways to save the other $800 that you need to achieve the lens that you want. Now, with that said, um, yes, there are quality differences between, you know, different types of lenses, but you get again, caught up in, you know, it's almost like the internet thing we were talking about, like, you know, like, oh, comparing what your lens is to another photographer's lens. And ultimately, uh, you know, it's the photographer and not the equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's all sort of a brand choice, a preference choice. Um, Yes, there are things that certain cameras do that others don't, you know, et cetera. But I think, you know, if you're not in the position to be spending the money or you can't have that lens, you know, do with what you have Work hard to save what you, you know, what you can to get what you want, but you know, be the photographer. It's not always the equipment that's going to make you a better photographer. It'll allow you to do things like Brian said, like shoot at a 60th of a second in a dark church where you may not without vibration control. Um, but you know, I think you've got to keep that in mind as well. Yeah, for sure. And it's good. I think Sam was good that he identified like the majority of weddings he shoots are outdoors. So he, di- you know, he right. doesn't shoot indoors a lot. So for him, he doesn't encounter it too much. But like Brian was saying, he shoots a lot indoors. I'm the same way. Yeah. Right? We shoot a lot indoors. So so that would be a very important determining factor. But for sure, I, I, so. I guess just, just as a thought on that, like I think a lot of the times we judge, like we have there's this thing called cognitive bias, right? That's like you, you see what you want to see type of thing. And so um, I, I see a lot of photographers that'll say things like oh you know what i don't need to learn flash because i'm just a natural light photographer mm-hmm. so i don't need i don't need to understand lighting and how it works because i'm always working with daylight but then all of a sudden they find themselves in a room where they have to all of a sudden they can't use natural light and they, they literally don't know what to do because right. they don't have yeah. the skill set or the equipment or the knowledge to actually execute on that so i think that you know maybe today you're just shooting outdoors but what happens if you get an inquiry for something that's indoors are you going to say i can't do that because i literally don't know how or i don't have the equipment to support it um maybe, maybe you will I, I i don't know but i guess i just wouldn't want to paint myself in a corner where i'm not able to do something because the majority of what i've done in the past does not include that yeah yeah no that's good uh, good advice the only thing i would i would add to it on the third party lens side of things is i think uh you know again quality i think of the lenses is the optics is going to be fantastic I think feedback I've heard from people who've maybe purchased some of the third-party lenses is perhaps the 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 weather proofing 
the weather ceiling maybe sometimes isn't quite this the, to the same standards um you know as as your canons or your nikons or your sony lenses um or your fuji lenses uh, you know but they're going to be you know good um and then the other thing you have to look at is just your warranty and your repair you know can you get that stuff if something happens to it can you get it fixed locally or do you have to send it away and you know what does that mean how long is it going to be you know away for whereas if you go with some of the you know like like nikon and and uh, canon they have their professional services programs if you're part of those you can get the lens sent out get a loaner or get it back within a couple of days so those are sometimes some other aspects that people or you know look at the warranty what's the warranty like on the lens those are some of those other little um things to consider when you're looking right. at gear i think you know and the rental uh, topic that Brian brought up is an excellent mm-hmm. idea. Whether you're thinking of buying any new equipment, if you really want to try it out, rent it. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe you're like, oh, I had to have this. And you go play with it and you're like, oh, I don't like it for this reason. And, you know, you saved yourself some money by not purchasing yeah, it. Yeah. There's know? a lot of companies out there. There's like Boro Lenses and Lens Lenders in Canada, I think it is. And there's a few other companies or your local, ca- you know, local camera shops uh, will rent uh, gear out to you and ship it out to you. So you can try, you know, try stuff and see what it's like. Mm-hmm before committing so excellent well hopefully that helps sam with it sounds like sam's already made a buying decision but hopefully that will help others that are sort of in that gear acquisition uh place so we want to hear from you guys if you have any questions you'd like us to answer just head on over to thisweekinphoto.com and click on the contact us button to send us a message uh you can also uh send your questions by email if you want to email us you can email us at twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com uh, or just put a tweet out there using the hashtag TwipWed. All right, before we uh, wrap this up, we want to uh, share our picks of the week. And each episode, we'll share a photography-related item that we think would benefit wedding photographers. Our picks can be anything as long as they're somehow related to photography or the business of photography. So, Brian, what have you got for us this week? I went and actually got it because I have the book here. So for those that are watching... Oh, you get a special sneak peek, which isn't really a sneak peek. Ooh. It's just a book. Um, this, so is a the, book. <laughs> this is a book um, called How the World Sees You by an author uh, by the name of Sally Hogshead. Um, and it's basically a book that is dedicated, uh, sort of like what I talked about earlier, about you know discovery of who you are and how you can best serve the world and how your, your clients can uh, find value in what you provide to them. Because everyone has, you know, like Robert said, everyone's got their fingerprint, right? Everyone is, is different and, and you're going to find different ways to connect with different people. So this book kind of helps walk you through the process of that discovery of saying like, who are you and how, how can you best put yourself out there to the world so the world can, can value you the most. Um, it's a really great read um, and I would highly recommend it. So How the World Sees You by Sally Hogshead. Excellent. Good pick. Mr. Evans, what have you got for us this week? What have you discovered? I was just jotting down Brian's pick so I could remember that. Uh, So mine's uh, the third podcast in a row follow-up with the uh, Pluto photo trigger that when I first told you it looked intriguing. Last time I told you I purchased it. Well, now I have it. Excellent. Um, So just like Brian, I don't want to be outdone. Here's the box because the photo trigger is actually in my photo bag. But I did purchase it. I have it. You know, the folding box. But it's it's a really cool little thing. It comes out of China, but it came DHL really quickly. Um, It does so many really cool things. You can do time lapse with it. Um, You can, it'll shoot a photo with a laser beam if somebody breaks the beam or... Uh, with a noise, you can go now, and it'll take the picture. Um, I mean, there's so many like really for like 100 and 
50 bucks or whatever it was. You just have to make sure you order the right cable to connect to whatever camera you use. Uh, but I think it's PlutoPhotoTrigger.com. You Google it, you'll find it. But I really, really like it. I mean, it's kind of fun. I've just played with it just a little bit. But, you know, by sound, by laser, uh, it'll like it's got a thing. If you want to photograph lightning, when the lightning goes off, it takes the picture. Mm. Um, it's got an accessory so you can shoot water droplets if you want to shoot that when it you, know, you get that little cool picture of the droplet landing in the water. And it's just a little gadget, but it's kind of fun. That's cool. So Robert's going to be using that as next wedding. He'll just be up in the balcony and yeah. he'll just be sitting there and he'll just go now. Yeah. And he'll have when the bride, now. When the bride crosses yeah, the laser beam. Say, laser beams everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Laser beams all over yeah. the place. And yeah. Now. And, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an app that comes with it. And you can also fire your camera with the app and, and, you know, do the settings. There's all sorts of really like, you know, you set up your time lapses of how fast you want i mean there's it does like 24 different things that's cool so i you i remember you told the story once about um just working with an assistant getting this shot from like way up above somewhere right, I remember right. That story. through the tree yeah through the, yeah so you could do that now just by setting a camera yeah, up now this, i could do it myself right and then i don't i don't even need a photo assistant because i have the pluto trigger yeah the pluto trigger now you've been <laughs> sorry photo assistants you're all <laughs> been replaced by a trigger from china <laughs> Excellent. Good stuff. All right. Well, my pick this week is uh, a company out of Germany uh, called Whitewall. They actually make um, these amazing, they do really, really nice prints. So we talked about kind of what we show our clients, the work that we show online, but this um, relates to what we show also show our clients when they, you know, when they come to see us, right, is the, you know, the finished products uh, that we present with our clients. And uh, so I had a chance to, to uh, meet this company at WPPI this year, and they were kind enough to send me um, a sample of of their acrylic, uh, one of their under glass acrylic wall prints. Um, they do really, really nice work. Um, a lot of, you know, um, they have a really great, uh, in this post, I'll try and embed this video of kind of the work that goes into their, uh, products, but they do, you know, really beautiful acrylics. They do aluminum prints. So something really unique and, and something different. So if you're looking for some nice display products for, uh, you know, for your clients showing them, you know, again, you'll, you'll sell what you show. So you need to be able to have samples and things like that in your studio. So if you want to sell a big wall print that they're going to hang in their house, you have to be able to sh show them, right? If they see it, chances are, you know, pretty good that they're going to buy it. So White Wall uh, is cool. the company. Uh, so you get a chance to check them out. They have some pretty cool products. Have you guys I'm seen just on their, their site right before? now. It looks, you get a chance looks pretty to see amazing. <clears throat> yeah, they had, uh, they had some really impressive display at WPPI and just the, uh, the stuff under acrylic looks amazing. So I got one of our wedding um, images uh, done up uh, by them and uh, we've got a, a studio now to show clients and uh, to, uh, people really seem to like it so nice. something different yeah excellent well as always we'll put links to all those picks in the show notes for this episode so just head on over to the website and uh, check it out well, I guess that brings us to the end of another episode of TWIP Weddings. Of course, if you're listening on our website, please subscribe to the show using the box on the right. And be sure to sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes go out and get exclusive subscriber bonuses. Um, and if you have feedback, suggestions, or comments about the show, you can reach us directly by using our contact form. Just click the Contact Us menu at the top of the page. So before we bid adieu to each other, what's uh, what's everybody up to and where can our audience go to keep up with you guys? Brian? I am up to a lot of fun things. Uh, it's a wedding season at the time that we are recording this. And I think at the time it will be released, mm -hmm. it's still wedding season. Uh, so that's kind of yep. lots of fun. Obviously love 
love photographing weddings. So uh, if you want to check out any of my photography work, bcapphoto.com. There's two P's in there. Uh, so you can check that out and see what I'm all up to over there. And uh, sproutingphotographer.com is where all of my education for photographers about the business of photography lives. Obviously, listeners know I have a software called Sprout Studio that the team here uh, builds with mm-hmm. me. So if you want to find out more about that, getsproutstudio.com. If you go getsproutstudio.com slash twip then you will get a discount on your sprout studio subscription so if you're interested in joining the family would love to have you guys over there excellent good stuff does that mean that sprout studio is an official we'll have to talk to the to the powers that be i suppose (laughs) (laughs) mr evans where can we find you besides out on a lake fishing Yeah, I've had a few weeks off, so I've been doing a little bit of that. Say you look nice and tanned, so you've been out kind of nice. Yeah, um, but I'll be busy soon enough, more than I want to be. But it's okay; it's always good. Um, my website is robertevans.com, so you can go there and count the photos in my gallery. <laughs> um, and my Instagram and my Twitter are the same at uh, Robert Evans. And uh, my Facebook page is Robert Evans Studios. And of course, you can find me on the TWIP Facebook page. You know, if you have questions, comments there about uh, broadcast podcasts that you hear, uh, you know, we jump in there and uh, try to answer those. I try to participate because I get little notifications that people have put stuff up. So I, I run right there. Uh, but that's uh, where you can find me. Excellent. Good stuff. And if you are looking for me, uh, you'll find us over at our website, which is momentsindigital.com. The blog's probably where you want to go if you want to see what we've been up to. We've been posting all our weddings and engagement sessions and a few other events we've been doing in between. And uh, if you want to follow me on social media, uh, I'm at Bruce Clark. Uh, Clark has an E at the end of it on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, mm, those places. Snapchat, I'm Bruce Snapchat, Clark. Snapchat, you said you Snapchat. I, I don't Snapchat even Snapchat. Um, Bruce Clark 2 is my Snapchat. It's mostly my dog and some behind the scenes of wedding stuff. So we'll do we'll do, you know, a few Snapchats while we're at a while we're at a wedding and uh it's kind of fun. So and we're finding our clients are really engaging on on Snapchat and uh which is kind of fun too. So um Wait, so how do you get how do how do your clients even know you're there or get you there? Like that's the one thing that I'm like, I don't see how Snapchat translates into what we do. Um so I think maybe I'm old school. You have to kind of read the crowd a little bit. And with our like a lot of our clients, if we if they're a bit of a younger demographic and they're into if we see they're into Snapchat, then we'll kind of say, Hey, let's, you know, can we Snapchat you guys during the wedding or something? And if they're kind of into it, then they they're like, Oh, our wedding photographer's kind of cool. He's into Snapchat. Right. It's, Cause I'm a bit of an older, I'm a bit older. So they look at me and go, Oh, he's actually into Snapchat. They, they, they sometimes they're a little surprised and he wears um, bow ties, but then they have oh some my goodness. And he wears bow ties. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's just kind of fun. I mean, again, it only lives for 24 hours, so I still don't know quite how it'll it'll play into attracting but you know the feedback so far just in working with clients is they enjoy it they have fun with it it's something goofy it's something fun to do um i did a commercial shoot the uh, couple weeks ago for a a local news station and we snapchatted some behind the scenes of it and they the news anchors loved it we put the dog filter on their faces and they did the tongue and they had a blast with it and it was just it helped lighten up the shoot and keep the mood kind of light and fun and they just had some fun with it so in terms of like attracting clients and getting clients i you know i don't know where that's gonna go but it just i find it helps it is a, it can almost be like a little icebreaker or something to kind of get people talking so 
that's how that's cool. how we've been using it and we'll see where it evolves to so Excellent. Well, again, if you want to follow along, just be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com. And thanks again for listening to Twip Weddings, raising the bar one wedding at a time. (laughs) 